day and welcome to this week's episode of Shook Legal on WESN Content Capital. I am your host, Rhonda Dono, attorney at law. Once again, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be alive. And I'm sure you are as well. Um, this week's episode, we are going to speak about the role of the Copyright Music Organization of Trinidad and Tobago and um, basically artist rights, the law, and everything that you need to know about cut. And of course, I have the distinguished pleasure of my guest on studio, uh, sorry, via Zoom. Uh, he is Mr. Curtis Jordan, the president of cut, as well as Mrs. Ayana Lewis, who is the chief executive officers of cut. And just a little bit about them before I, I basically introduce um, them to you. Uh, Mr. Curtis Jordan is an award-winning recording artist, motivational speaker, author, founder, and manager of Curtis Jordan. Coaching Academy and Caribbean uh, Gospel Music Tours. At the age of 35, the Rima native has charted a path of excellence through the world of music based on his personal convictions and passion to see youth live, or sorry, youth live a better quality of life. Of course, he has produced a number of, of, of hits uh, recording gospel music uh, and R&B singles, uh, including Trust Me, um, as well as Alive. And he has had nominations for the Caribbean Gospel uh, Marling Awards. Uh, he's a founder of the uh, Curtis Jordan's Coaching Academy, a premier arts and entertainment training academy that caters to training, mentoring, and providing us friendly you a friendly space for young creatives to flourish for the last 10 years and on November 16th November 6 2020 Mr. Jordan was appointed as a director on the board of the Copyright Music Organization of Trinidad and Tobago and in November 2022 he was elected president a massive move towards being a strategic voice of the gospel music scene and ultimately to the creative industry in the Caribbean region and a bit about Ms. Mrs. Ayana Belgrave-Lewis. Uh, she is the Chief Executive Officer of Copyright Music Organization of Trinidad and Tobago since 2018. Uh, she's a certified accountant, and she has served as CUTS Manager of Finance and Administration since January 20, 2006. Her portfolio at CUT has grown throughout her tenure, and she's responsible for an overall management of the organization's financial resources um, during that time. And now, of course, she's in charge of the management of the entire Copyright Music Organization of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so without further ado, I would like to welcome both of you, Mrs. Lewis and Mr. Jordan. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having us. I know, I, I know this was a handful, but of course it's important to, to recognize your achievement and work, and, um, and congratulations uh, to both of you. Thank you. Yes, so, so let me start with you, uh, Mrs. Lewis. Of course, you are the, the Chief Executive Officer of CUT. Of course, CUT is a, a recognized institution, a collection and rights agency in Trinidad and Tobago. But tell the viewers and listeners more about what is, uh, who is CUT? In short, CUT is what we refer to as a collection management organization. Um, what collection management organization, what we do, or CMO as it's um, most commonly known as, we collect license fees on behalf of our members and we distribute those license fees that we would have collected to our members as royalties. We are a non-profit organization, which means to say that everything that we have collected uh, we utilize a portion of it, a small portion of it, to cover our expenses, and everything else is distributed to our members um, during our distribution, which occurs four times annually. We are a non-governmental organization. A lot of people seem to think that we are a government-run body, but we are not. 
We are a non-governmental organization, non-profit, and we exist to administer the rights on behalf of our members. Right. So, so therefore, I, I noticed you said that you are non-governmental. So, therefore, in terms of uh, in terms of financial backing, uh, what 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 is your strategy in terms of that? Uh, particularly, I mean, you, I mean, you all are, are recognized. Uh, I assume it's a big organization. Right. Uh, we get our funding through the issuing of licenses for the use of music. That is our main source of revenue. Action Action Fact is our only source of revenue. Um, we issue licenses for persons who use, utilize music every day, um, be it in the background in a restaurant or at an event. <clears throat> so, so therefore, is it that you are, uh, well, basically you said you're a non-government organization, but are you a part of an act of parliament in terms of being the recognized music collection um, institution in Toronto Tobago? No, we are not. We are recognized under the Copyright Act as a licensing body. A licensing body. And, um, and of course, I, I note that in Toronto Tobago, there seem to be more than one licensing body. You can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so in terms of persons who wishes to make an, or choose an option of which licensing body they, um, they can uh, decide to, to select, how, how will that work in terms of cut? Okay, um, there really isn't a choice. Um, what happens is if you're using the music that belongs to the repertoire of cut, you have to take a cut license. So there isn't really much of a choice to say that, okay, I am using cut music, but I'm going to decide to pay um, CMOX or CMOY. If you're using cut music, you have to pay your license fees to cut. Understood. And, and, and therefore, if, 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 for instance, another, another um, management, well, an organization uh, also has those uh, music, uh, well, those members that are part of the organization that one chooses that, okay, that both, both collection agencies has, has, has both repertoires uh, in, in terms of choice. I know you are stating that, that, that it is mandatory. Uh, what, what, how, how do you respond to that? Um, okay. Persons would not join an organization for the same rights, right? Um, so if you're a member of one organization for a particular right and you're a member of another organization for another right, um, when you go to collect your license fees, you need to state clearly who you're collecting on behalf of and the rights that you're collecting for, right? So for instance, a neighboring rights organization cannot go to a user and say, okay, I'm here to collect copyright fees. And I'm here to collect copyright fees on behalf of member X who belongs to another organization. So as a CMO, you need to state clearly the rights that you're representing as well as the rights holders that you're collecting your license fees on behalf of. And, and we will go further into that particular um, aspect because that's important for persons who are composers, um, etc. But I want to uh, bring in uh, Mr. Jordan in the conversation. Mr. Jordan, I know you are president of um, CUT. Um, so if you can just describe your role in terms of president and, and the structure of the organization, uh, over to you. Well, in a nutshell, um, my position is, of course, the president and um, that oversees the board that, uh, that has the interest of the members of, of the entire organization. Um, there are over 4,600 members, and our heart is to ensure um, that the members are getting they're just due um, and everything that is, is up to par to ensure that they are they, they get the most benefits out of uh, being a member 
Now, um, my, myself and of course all the members of the board uh, would have come from the membership. So that is um, that is our heart, and the board itself would have is made up of um, four writers, just not just singers alone, uh, but also two publishers, two performers, and even two producers. So that is the structure of the board, and um, that's what I oversee on a monthly basis. Now, 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 tell me in terms of um, you mentioned that the board consists of writers, um, composers, well, writers, composers, publishers. Now, tell me what are the categories of person that are allow membership to cut? Because I think I think there's probably a misconception in terms of um, in terms of that particular um, rights or membership uh, composition. Right, um, persons could be uh, a writer, um, a publisher, performer producer, um, where else, or I should say, in other terms, they could be an author, a composer, or a publisher. Yeah, and I and if I left out any there, I know we have a few categories. We have the producers and the performers, and we also have successors. Okay. And successors are those individuals who would have inherited um, the rights on behalf of a deceased member. Okay, correct. Uh, you mentioned performers. Uh, it, just explain in terms of what rights do performers have um, when it comes to uh, copyright, well, not copyright law per se, but in terms, of, um, in terms of ensuring that, let's say, they also get some incentive um, from the uh, publishing or from the playing of their music, etc. Right. Um, the rights of performers are covered under what we call neighboring rights, right? They are similar to copyright, but they are the rights that are assigned to performers and producers of sound recordings. Now, the rights of a performer under neighboring rights apply where, let's say, an individual is performing at an event. They are performing live on stage. They, that particular individual has the right to whether or not to prohibit or allow their performance to be broadcast or recorded, right? Those are the rights for the performers in terms of their live performances. That is not a right that is managed by a collective management organization. That is a right between, let's say, an event promoter and the performer at the point in time. Right. So those are the rights in terms of their live performances. But there's also a right for performers and it's contained in the sound recordings. Wow. So you have a sound recording and you would have the person performing on that recording. That right, the public performance of that sound recording also applies to performance. But but, but in terms of in terms of the monetization from from cut, um, mm -hmm. can a performer be be provided incentive monetarily for, for their performances? Yes, um, when we collect the license fees for the neighboring rights, that license fee is shared between the performer and the producer of the song recording. Now, the law states that it's supposed to be a 50-50 split, right? That's the default setting. However, if there's an agreement in place between the performer and the producer, cut would abide by that agreement in terms of paying license fees collected on behalf of the performers and the producer or the master rights owner of the song recording. No, let's let's deal with um with with obviously I mean you're already a member, uh you uh, you have now recorded, produced, written a song, um just just 
um, take us through these steps in terms of how can one register their song? Because of course, you know, in our in our jurisdiction, copyright basically subsists in your in your creative work, right? By composing whatever, it doesn't necessarily have to be registered. I know some people think that you have to be your copyright has to be registered in order for it to be recognized. Can you just clear up that in terms of just the process to get your um, your music recognized by God? Um, well, okay, you're applying for membership for the first time. If you are applying as a copyright member, you need to work with a one register, one uh, one work, right? A song. So you come to us and you pull out your application form, and you have to have one work. We call we use the term work in terms of copyright, and that has to have been performed. Um, it can be performed via a live performance via the radio or broadcast performance or even now we are accepting because of the explosion of digital we are also accepting if it was um, posted on a social media site okay. right so you have one song that you would have written you would have created and you can come with that one song and you register as a copyright member with cut right yes now, because we are so talented in Trinidad and Tobago, Sorry. we may have an individual who writes, but they also perform, right? So if you're a performer, you can also come into cut and register. However, the, the, the process is somewhat different. We are asking for three songs, if I remember correctly, um, three performances. So you come in and you register with three performances and you can become a member of cut as a performer, right? So. Yeah. Um, so you you must have been featured on a song recording, a commercially released song recording. So it can't be that um, I would have gone in a venue and performed live, uh, live and I want to come and register as a performer. No, you have to have been uh, performed, sorry, on a song recording. And, and that is that that is as a composer and a, a songwriter, a composer and a performer. Right. So the first instance I gave would have been as a composer. Yes. And the second would have been as a performer. Right. So, 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 therefore, Mr. Jordan, I know you are you are a composer as well as you are a performer, right? Um, you have been a member. Well, obviously, you are a member of Cut. Um, now, in terms of the perspective of a composer performer, um, when you are registering um, as a well, in terms of the uh, the, the song, uh, how does the producer now come into play? when dealing with, uh, let's say, split arrangement. First, let us just discuss or, or uh, just give an overview of what exactly is that split arrangement. Right. Well, first of all, I always recommend to all um, um, artists or composers that when you go to studio, you need to have your, your notification of works former right there because things get very, very different. And when agreements. Music... You see that written agreement, yes. It gets real <laughs> different, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Everybody's is nice and smiley. Um, in his studio. Nah, you don't need to register nothing. You don't need, we can do that another time. But then it becomes a hit. And then everybody starts to want to claim. So yeah. I always recommend upfront that persons and ensure that in the studio before you leave, that you already sat down there and made an agreement that you, based on, on your input or based on the input of the producer or anybody within the room, anybody that was in that room, whatever part they played, we all have to agree right there as to what the percentage split is going to be. And then I would then take um, that form to, to cut um, to ensure that that is um, confirmed. You know what I mean? So that I always recommend um, um, artists go that direction. And, and, what, and what is usually the percentage split in those circumstances? From, 
well, it really, again, it really depends on the amount of persons that was involved in the track. Um, sometimes I would have had maybe a, a one writer or maybe two writers yeah. and the producer and myself uh, within the room. Um, so sometimes the split could have been um, 40, 40, 20. So it really depends. It's really up to the, the, the group of persons within the room as to what that agreement was. Um, I could have gone in the studio with already had, having my melody or I, I would have carried my beat already, and I just went there to to, to do some post production, and um, just to finalize and mix the song. Then maybe a ten percent goes to the producer, and ninety percent towards me. So it really depends in that moment as to what all persons involved would have agreed to. Now, usually cut um, form, and I'm sure Mr. Lewis can probably verify. Um, there is there is a part for writer and there's a part for producer. It, it just just can you just verify in terms of mm -hmm. in split arrangement? Let's say it's just two person. Um, how does Scott recognize in terms of the writer and producer on one recording, one composition that is? Okay, in terms of now, when you complete the forms. Okay. Um, okay. First thing, we have two forms. We have a notification of work form and we have a notification of recording form. Um, on a you would not see a writer and a producer on the same form because they are different rights. So on the notification of work form, which is for the copyright, what you will find is author, composer, and publisher, right? Yeah. Not producer. So you find publisher. Now, generally speaking, what the rule or what the guidelines state is that the... The, the author composer should their share should not be less than 50%, right? And that is the share between the author composer and the publisher, right? So that is the recommended split generally. That if you are assigning a publisher to your work, it should not, the publisher should not be assigned more than 50%, right? That is yeah. the rule. If there's no publisher, there's no rule really and truly as to how you decide to split your work. You can share it equally amongst yourself. You can take the bigger share depends on what is your depending on what is your contribution to the song. We tend not to get involved in those types of negotiations. Um, all we say is before you come to cut, make sure, like my president would have said, yeah. make sure that you have your agreements in place. The nope. only guideline, like I said before, would be between the publisher and the author composer, 50-50. Now, now, based on experience as a attorney at law, I know that I, I, I may have had some, uh, some interaction with, with, with cuts, particularly <laughs> um, in line with, with copyright infringement. Now, of course, <laughs> it, it, it is very difficult to, to maneuver that, especially when it comes to piracy, right? However, in terms of cuts rule, do cuts mediate disputes? Um, it's not something that we get into because, remember, chances are both parties would be our member. Right. So especially if the dispute relates to share splits, yeah. that is something that we do not get ourselves involved with at all. Um, recently, back in 2018, what we what we would recommend is that back in 2018, the IPO office, the Trinidad and Tobago IPO office, um, in collaboration with the World Intellectual Property Organization, they came together. They have an MOU and the MAU makes available ADR resolution uh, for persons under copyright disputes. Uh, we would recommend that in those circumstances, individuals take the matter to the IPO and utilize their services. 
and, and let's say, for instance, there's a dispute in terms of who is, the, who is the exact owner of the composition. Both parties would have registered or provided notification of work, etc., um, for the same composition. How does how does Scott deal with that? Does Scott recognize both until the dispute is settled, or do they do they refuse um, uh, both registration until the dispute is settled? What we do in a case like that, let's say both works were registered with the organization, what we do is any royalties that would have been generated for that particular work, it is held in suspense, is not paid out to either party until the matter has been settled, right? So what we tend to do is advise persons to utilize what we call the poor man copyright, yes. whereby you would have written your composition, um, if you can record it, you do so, and you mail a copy to yourself via registered mail, mm -hmm. and you keep that unopened in the, until the event you need to use it in a particular, in a circumstance just like this, right? So you would have shown that on X date, you would have, written this song, you would have composed your song and you have your evidence. If you do not wish to do the mailing, we advise also that you lodge it with an attorney or you can even put it in a safe deposit box in a bank. But the idea is not to have the envelope opened until such time that it is required, you know, to prove ownership. Or, or in the digital space, emailing your, your, your work to yourself, yeah. because I, I know yeah. that even in a word, let's say a document, um, you, you can't really alter the, the, the properties in terms of when the content was created. Uh, so right. maybe that is something else that can be considered, of course, but it's always yeah. better to have concrete proof and evidence. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let, us, uh, let us take a break and uh, we will be right back. You are watching Strictly Legal. We have Mr. Curtis Jordan and Mrs. Ayano Lewis from CUT. We'll be right back. And we are back. You are watching Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. Uh, we are speaking about the role of the Copyright Music Organization of Toronto Tobago and, um, and basically artist rights. Uh, we are here with Mr. Curtis Jordan, president of CUT, as well as Mrs. Ayano Lewis, who is the chief executive officer. Uh, now, uh, Mr. Jordan, as the president of this auspicious organization, uh, can you just tell us in terms of in terms of what sort of membership incentive that the board has created um, in terms of sensitizing your members um, of their roles of responsibility, education, etc., um, in the organization as well? I think um, that was priority number one on getting um, into this particular position. Um, we've underst I, I've understood from day one, and that is the first reason why I got into the organization or even um, allowed myself to, to be at this, this level um, is the service, is service because at the end of the day, um, these services and, um, and all, are the, all the benefits are there, but persons are not always familiar with it as well as persons are always registering, persons are always coming on board that need to be educated. So education was the number one priority from day one. Uh, we've had several workshops um, over the past couple of months um, for members to be able to log on and um, it was via Zoom where they can understand the very details um, of the organization as, as, to well as, as well as how they are supposed to operate within it to get the most out of it. Uh, we've had several 
um, well, we went heavy into social media, I should say, where we are post, we are always posting, and all the posts are uh, geared around um, education and how we could and how they could um, understand the different types of rights. Because um, if we be real, we are all creatives. We yeah. honestly don't really like to hear all the people working on the legal sides of all of it, but we need to be educated about it to be able to benefit. Um, some persons, they have tons of songs being recorded. They have tons of songs being um, performed. But when you ask them, hey, hey, what's going on with the, with the legal side of it? They have none of it recorded. They have none of it registered, rather. But they are performing, and they are not benefiting. And you would find that the persons who are benefiting the most from cut are the ones that understand the paperwork side or the legal side of what is required of them. So that's why education has been at the forefront of what we have been doing for the past uh, couple months. And secondly, uh, what some of the biggest needs, because we will be, we'll be on the forward members all the time, and one of their greatest needs is to have quick access, because we live in the world, world of, of the digital world. Yeah, exactly. And everything yeah. at your finger, fingertips. So they want quick access to all of the information at any point in time. And, um, and we have had, at least over the at least one year, we have been um, digitizing the entire organization where persons can register a work, become registered, um, check up on their, um, their royalties, check up on, on um, their, the rights that they're registered with, um, check to see how which songs are registered, and so many other services. We've been working on rebuilding our website that it becomes so user-friendly that nobody has to actually come to the organization to get anything done. At the click of, the, of a button on a laptop or even on your phone, you should have direct access to all of the services that CUT offers. And uh, we are so excited about that because it has been taking a lot of time to get all of it connected. And the main reason for the delay or the length of time to put it together is because there are so many facets of this particular um, website, which uh, would include um, getting information from all over the world because our members' music play globally. Yes, uh, to yes. bring all of the data together and uh, that they're going to have it up to date is really taking a mammoth amount of energy and, um, and work. Um, but within the next two to three months, we are going to be launching that this website in a big way because it's 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 something that's going to transform the experience of every single member. That's that's yeah. that's very impressive and um and and this is this is the point I was going to drive in terms of digitization because obviously um we are, we, we should be moving away from paper based and more I mean everything is and, and COVID has really taught us that you know in terms of really using the internet using our resources to get members um, sensitized, uh, particularly when it comes to, to registration. Now, the registration process, you're saying that that can be done via your website now? Of course. All, every single service from registering as a member, even paying to become a member because it's a one-time fee, everything that you could possibly do, even getting in contact with persons directly at the staff, you will be able to get all of it done via the website or even just via the click of an email. Um, our staff is always on the other end and and from the experience of members at least over the last uh, couple of months, they would respond under 10 minutes to an email. Yeah. It is very, very quick, very efficient and we are very proud of that. So, so, so is there like a membership database in terms of if I am a member or non-member, can I can I just go on to the, to the uh, website and see who are members? Uh, not on the current website, mm -hmm. but in the future, they would have access to that and so much more, so, so, so much more. It's going to be, I, I am, I, as, a, as a creative myself, this is a dream come true. 
and I know it is it is a cry of all of, of especially new, new, the new generation. They want access. They want, want um, quick quick movements when it comes to their business, and um, this is what we're going to be able to deliver within just a few weeks. Okay, three months. That that is very good. Now, now obviously on these segments we we, we try to take calls. Um, so if, if you will allow me, I just need to uh, to get a call from from one of uh, of the members of the public. Uh, good morning. Okay, my, my, my apologies. I, 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 I got the information wrong. Um, of course, you can call us at 628-4578 or 623-9376. If you want to call, make a comment. I'm sure there are a lot of creatives, artists that are here that may want to, to, to have a question to these guests. I mean, you don't often find them in one space on TV at the same time. Um, so we are, we are privileged. Now, in, in terms of Miss um, Miss Miss Lewis, uh, let's deal with the... Uh, you, you mentioned that you, your revenue, the bulk of your revenue comes from persons or from entities that, that play uh, music that belongs, that, are, that belongs to members. Um, so, for instance, um, you, you usually see in a lot of these establishments cut stickers. Um, uh, can you just walk us through in terms of, 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 of uh, how do you go about enforcing that, that persons or, or entities register and pay their licenses? Sure. Um, I don't like the use of the word enforce. Right. Um, <laughs> we like to um, encourage um, persons to do the right thing in terms of taking out a license fee if they're using music. Um, a lot of people, because music is so readily available, they think that most times it should be free. But we need to take into account that it was created by someone and someone would have invested in Correct. it, right? So what we tend to do is we have licensing reps and they would go out and they would visit these premises and they would educate them on the benefits, one, of having music in their business and two, um, why they need to pay for the use of the music. And also we like to inform persons as to where the money goes because you find a lot of conversation happens around just obtaining a license, obtaining a license. But we also need to understand that that license fee goes back to the creators of the music. So you're enjoying a product. And when we collect the license fee, it's not cut collects the license fee and that's it. It is paid out as royalties to our members. Yes. Can, can, can you just tell us in terms of what is the fees for, for, for these particular licenses? Are there any categories um, in terms of how you pay the fees, et cetera. Because I know, I mean, my next question will be, and you could probably cover it, in terms of when there are live performances or live events, like fets, mm -hmm. like, like, um, like concerts, et cetera. How, how, does that, how does that work? All right. Um, the license fees would vary depending on the size and the nature of the business, right? So generally speaking, we'll have what we call an annual license, which runs for 12 months, and then we'll have a one-off license, which would be like for a permit event, so like for a federal concert, those license fees would apply. Um, license fees, the tariffs could be based on capacity. It can be based on um, the number of persons. Let's say, for instance, you're having a dance class. Um, the license fee for that is based by on the number of individuals within the class, right? So there are different categories of license fees and the tariffs are calculated differently. We tend to look at the use, how the music is being used, if it's featured music or if it's background music. And that and those are the things that we will take into consideration in crafting and in, in drafting our license fees or tariffs. 
right? Yes. In terms of one-off events, right? Because most times you're having an event and the music is featured, right? It's not any background. It's the reason why most persons would be attending the event. Um, those license fees are based on a percentage of the gross revenue that would have been earned by the promoter. And we use that percentage-based calculation because of the, the, the nature of the music to the event. It is featured, it is a big part of why the event is happening in the first place. And um, a percentage of the revenue is taken in those events, in those types of uses. Um, and, and of course, in terms of the, uh, the subject, let me say, the objective uh, mm -hmm. approach to, to persons who are, who are, well, promoters. Like, okay, let me use an example. A promoter is having an event. Uh, their capacity is really $1,500, but just to avoid cut fees, they decide to, to state that their capacity will be $500. What sorts of, sorry, not $500, 500 persons, right? Mm -hmm. um, with a less entry fee. What sort of checks and balances that cut has in place to ensure that, okay, this promoter is indeed accurate or indeed um, you know, giving correct information? Right. Um, in terms of, well, we have good relationships with our promoters. Let me say that upfront. <laughs> and it is very Caveat. rare you find a, <laughs> very rare that you find a promoter giving us inaccurate information. But um, what the, our normal procedure is that we do our own checks and balances so that we go up online, we see what the ticket prices are. Right. And then because we have been doing this for so long, we have an idea of the attendance at most of the events. So if I know you are having a, 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 one of the regular carnival events that a lot of people attend, you can't come to cut and say, well, you know, we only had 200 persons at this event. But we know from the past, historically speaking, your event will have had 5,000 persons. So we rely on that historic information yeah. as well as we will go onto the websites in terms of ticket prices and we see that for ourselves. And in addition to that, we send our researchers to the event so they would take so they would um, identify and bring back information to the organization in terms of okay, the attendance was X or the attendance was Y. And and Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, if the attendance was Y instead of X after the event, does cut now um, write to the promoter to recover the, the, the surplus? Yes, we do. And in the event that the um, event did not take place in the manner in which the promoter would have liked it to happen, we also give refunds. Oh, you give refunds. Okay, yes. that, that is good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yes, <we do. laughs> That's good to hear. Now, now in terms of, uh, uh, let's say, for instance... I mean, I, I know that Mr. Jordan would have performed recently at, I believe it was Napa or some event, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, um, maybe a promotion, come, uh, well, one of the, uh, I don't know if it was a promoter, would have hosted those events. Now, uh, usually these performance spaces would already have cut licenses, but you would find that they would request that the promoter of the event pay cut fees. Um, is, is, that, is, that, is that something that is encouraged? Um, okay, and let's look at the the license fee that the event space may have. Now, the event space may have what we call a blanket license, but that blanket license may cover their events, right? Um, meaning to say events that they themselves host, 
that may be covered under their blanket with their blanket license. Therefore, if a promoter is having an event, they may require that promoter to pay a separate license fee because that fee has not been covered under their blanket license. Right? Yeah. That is one scenario. The other scenario may be that the event space has a blanket license that covers both promoter events as well as their events. In an instance like that, the event space would not require the promoter to get a separate license. So it all depends on the license between cut and the event space to determine whether or not the promoter will have to pay a separate license fee. So it's not as though the, 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 the event space is trying to, to prevent mm -hmm. or trying to get mm -hmm. cut to get, make more money for cut. <laughs> no, no, that's not the case. I mean, all those, these are real life scenarios and obviously things that need to be clarified, particularly in open space, yeah? Mm -hmm. And um, of course, Mr. Jordan, I, I, I just want to bring you in here um, of course, as, as, the, as the president of the board of directors, can you just inform how does the process goes to elect um, or select a, a, a board um, of, of cut? And right. of course, uh, your, your members, because I know you have, you have quite a, a, a wide um, ex, a range of expertise who are members of the organization. Well, definitely. Um, well, of course, uh, a, a board is selected every three years at the um, AGM. And those persons would have um, come from the membership itself, and um, persons who are allowed to vote. The, the body of the membership is allowed to vote uh, for for the for this full board um, that I explained before. And um, from that position, the board then selects a president to operate within uh, the tenure. Yeah. Also, oh, the so members don't select the president. The members just select the board. That's correct. Or elect, well, yeah. And, yes, and yes, and, and in terms of, uh, could you just list who are the who are the members of, of your board? I mean, I know in terms of how many members your board consists of, and you said four writers, four composers. But in terms of the personalities, um, personalities. Yeah. So, um, currently, our current board um, it's uh, Mr. John Arnold, uh, Quinton Gooden, that's Isaac Blackman, that's um, uh, Mr. Pereira, Doggy Doggy Slaughter, as as we know him as. Uh, um, let me see who I am missing there. Um, don't push my brain. Sometimes it's just, it's just a lot. Hey, Mr. AZ, Mr. King is also a member of your yes. board. Sorry, AZ AZ King. King? Yeah. Yes. yes, Mr. King, uh, Mr. King, and um, we also have Corey Francis. Corey, yes, yes, Corey, and Francis. Kyle Phillips. Kyle yes, Phillips. Kyle Phillips. He represents yes. the youth. Yeah, <laughs> so there we go, there we go. That's the full team that really put a lot of work into on a weekly basis to make sure that all members get as much as they can and benefit as much as they can uh, from uh, Correct. Yeah? And how often do you meet? We meet, um, well, it depends. Uh, we, as a board, we meet once a month, but within our board, there are subcommittees that meet uh, once every the first week of the month and second week of the month. So. Um, a member, uh, a board member, could be meeting sometimes two to three times per month, uh, based on different uh, categories of which we serve. Yeah. Correct. Okay, that is very good. And um, in terms of Miss Mrs. Lewis, your staffing, how um, in, uh, in terms of your composition, what what is the structure of the organization uh, at Cot? Uh, we have a CEO, and then we have four departments, and the four departments are run by department heads, and then we have our junior. Um, level of staff. Uh, so, are, so in terms mm -hmm. of your numbers? In total, um, including myself, we are at 23 persons. 
and, uh, and your offices, uh, do you all have, uh, uh, in terms of how many offices uh, you We you have, have three locations, one in Port of Spain, one in San Fernando, and one in Tobago. And for the benefit of the members, could you just state exactly the location, or rather the addresses of these offices, and telephone um, contact? Okay. You if can get can. us at 623-2688. Um, that's the cut number. That's our main line. Um, the Tobago office is in Scarborough, Tobago. I can't give you the exact location at this point. But of course, that information is on your website, which everyone has access <laughs> yes, to. Yes, that is available on the website. Yes. yes. And the other office is in San Fernando, um, High Street. Fernando. Fernando, yes. Uh, so, so where, wh where is the future of CUT going? Now we are digitizing. Um, and before we go to the future, in terms of how, how does CUT, uh, what is CUT doing um, in terms of its, its, its checks and balances to avoid uh, or to stamp down on uh, piracy in the music industry against its members? Against its mm. members, yeah. Any one of you? Um, <laughs> hmm. Um, we have to work with the TTPS. Um, there, we currently, um, we, there isn't a piracy per se section in the organization. So we work with the TTPS. Um, when they um, apprehend the music pirates, they usually would call us to ask us to identify our music. Um, outside of that, um, we have been working with the larger societies because they have the systems where they can monitor stuff online. So, for instance, if you would have posted an event or um, you would have uploaded, um, let's say, a video and it has musical content in it, you would realize sometimes that it's removed or it, you get issued a takedown notice. Right? That is also a part of anti-piracy, but that is in the digital landscape. And that's like, for instance, with YouTube and all, all those yes. other um, types of, uh, of, of websites, yeah. Yes, yes. But um, in terms of piracy, it's really limited to the work that we do with the TTPS at this point in time. Yes, because of course, according to the Copyright um, Act, there's also criminal sanctions um, in terms of breach of, of copyright, apart yeah. from the civil remedies. Mm -hmm. That's correct. But but of course, as 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 in any place, well, in Toronto, people, uh, in terms of enforcement, enforcement yeah. sometimes yeah. is, is we a have some issue. Yeah, there yeah. are challenges. I I, I know that. Yeah. Now, now now do you all partner with in other international um, copyright organizations in terms of uh, recording and collecting data, etc. Um, in, in 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 the space. Yes, we do. Um, we actually have 62 reciprocal agreements with other societies. Oh, very good. We have, yeah, yeah, we have reciprocals with societies in the U.S., in the U.K., um, as far as Denmark, um, Germany, um, Australia, um, China, um, Japan. I think BMI, um, BMI is, is BMI is, is in the U.S. BMI is in the U.S. Yes, yes the U.S., yes. Yeah, BMI is in the U.S., yeah, and we have a reciprocal agreement with them also. So we, and as in the Caribbean, we have the, in Barbados, in Jamaica, and the Eastern Caribbean states, as well as Delhi's. So therefore, that means if, for instance, uh, our local composers or, or performers, music are, are, are played elsewhere um, in other jurisdictions, is it that those data are collected and, uh, and cut is informed of, of, those, of that data? 
what they do in instances like that, they operate just the same way that we would operate. So they would issue the license, collect the license fee, and remit to us the monies that belong to our members. And of course, you all have, you all have technology in place to record locally uh, in terms of uh, how many um, times a music has been played on a specific station, etc. Yes, we do. We utilize a system called Vericast, and Vericast monitors all the radio and television stations in Trinidad, and they would provide us with a report identifying the songs that were played, um, all the various codes that we require to do our distributions. And of course, if it's physical events, that's where you use your researchers? Yes, we use our researchers as well as we also utilize the services of DJs. Um, DJs would provide us, I believe, through their Serato machines, they would provide us a listing of the songs that they would have used. And that is also data that we are able to capture um, in terms of processing our distributions. Oh, excellent. Um, of course, I know we are out of time, but just before we go, Mr. Jordan, the future of CUT, you as a president, um, tell us in 30 seconds. <laughs> well, um, on, as I said, in a nutshell, uh, we want to continue to improve on all sides. We want to in, in build greater relationships globally uh, because person, our music is, is used globally. We want to ensure that our local members collect all of what the world is doing and all the funds that is being generated globally. So we'll continue to develop relationships and MOUs, as well as locally, we want to improve on the, the data points uh, where, where the amount of wherever music is played, that they actually um, get what is due, as well as we want to educate the members on when they play or when they perform, that they continue to submit their playlists and their performers mm -hmm. lists, because all of those data points helps us to ensure that they get what they truly, truly deserve. So. All of those things uh, is what is what we're working what we're working on right now, and for the future, we are solely focusing on digitalization. Most importantly, thank you, yeah. and, and of course, Mrs. Lewis, um, thirty seconds in terms of administrative side, the the future of cut. Um, the future of cut is digitization. The future of cut is education, educating not just our members but our users on the importance of music, and also the more importantly, paying for the music that you use. Correct. Correct. Uh, thank you so much, so much. There's so much things that have been learned in this, in this, in this session. One hour certainly wasn't enough, but I want to thank you both, uh, Mr. Curtis Jordan, President of CUT, as well as Mrs. Ayana Lewis, the CEO of CUT. Thank you so much, and do enjoy the rest of your day and week. Same to you, and thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, it's a wrap. You have been watching Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. Of course, you can catch our replay online as well as on our traditional media networks, as well as view Strictly Legal or listen to Strictly Legal with Rondell Donawa on our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next time. Have a blessed day. Goodbye.